Welcome to Wattcast. I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Woman Around Town. This is the time of year when parents face a daunting challenge, finding an appropriate and fun summer camp for their children. Children between the ages of 8 and 15 who are interested in the arts and live in the Washington, D.C. area are truly fortunate. Camp Arena Stage offers more than 75 exciting multi-arts activities, including improv, acapella singing, filmmaking, rock band, musical theater, costume design, world dance, and much, much more. And there's a bonus. Students in the camp have the opportunity not only to learn from some of the best artist educators in the D.C. area, but also from professionals who perform regularly at arena and other theatrical venues. Demoya Watson-Brown, well-known to D.C. audiences, is one of the camp's outstanding arts enhancers who will be at the camp this summer. I'm excited to talk with her about her career and what she's looking forward to teach the young people who sign up for the camp. Demoya, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me. Before we talk about Camp Arena Stage, let's talk a little bit about you. Where did you grow up, and where did you go to school? I grew up in Daytona Beach, Florida, and I attended high school at Mayland High School. Uh, After that, I went on to Florida State University, where I majored in dance. In dance. Did you always want to be on stage? Yes. I can say that that was quite evident at a young age. My mother has uh, some of my artwork and, you know, essays from when I was a young child. And there is one in particular that's in my scrapbook that says, when I grow up, I want to be a star. (laughs) So I think it's always been there. You know, it's a part of my DNA, definitely. So it's been in the stars, being a star. Terrific. Yes, being a star, (laughs) whatever that means to a five-year-old. <laughs> exactly. Are you a triple threat, acting, dancing, and singing? I would like to think I am a triple threat. However, dance is more my forte. Um, I always consider myself, when asked, I say I'm a dancer, singer, actress. I put them in order, not necessarily of priority, but in order as far as expertise is concerned because I didn't go to school for acting, nor did I go to uh, college for singing, for voice. Um, But as a dancer, especially in the business nowadays, in musical theater, you have to be a triple threat. Um, There's just absolutely no way around it. And, And why is that? Explain to us why you need to have those three talents. Um, I just think that the careers have evolved. You know, they've, they've, um, there was a point where, you know, dancers were just dancers and singers were just singers and actresses were just actresses. And I think that the evolvement of the three different types, you know, the three different genres have just kind of intertwined themselves and they go hand in hand. I mean, when you look at famous people on television, you look at Hugh Jackman in his movies, and then you look at the Tony Awards from, you know, a few years back, and you say, oh my gosh, I didn't know Wolverine could tap. 
I'm no Wolverine could sing. And so, you know, it's just, it's kind of one of those things that I think it's just really, really important to make sure that you are diverse in all three uh, because they have just found, you know, they kind of go hand in hand. It certainly gives you more opportunities, doesn't it? When it definitely gives you more opportunities, makes you more marketable, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it just it just opens a whole another door for you mm-hmm. as a performer. What can you remember about your first time on stage? Well, I started dancing at a very young age, so I don't have a very vivid memory of it. Um, my aunt was a choreographer and a dancer in the Daytona Beach area and she actually put me on stage when I was three Um, and just from seeing pictures you know and growing up with her dancing within the community I uh, was exposed to the stage. Was she Um, she a dancer? Your aunt? She was more so a choreographer but yes I mean I would consider her a dancer yes. She didn't dance professionally she choreographed professionally. I see. And um, so I would say I more so have memories of my early years uh, in Daytona Beach you know tap and jazz was a big thing growing up in the dance studios and I remember being one of the smallest Kids in this group, there was a performance ensemble called Kids in the Beach, Kids of the Beach, I'm sorry, and um, I was always one of the youngest. There were like maybe two of us, but everyone else was junior high school or either high school students, and, you know, I I guess I could hold my own because I auditioned and I was a part of the ensemble, so. It's amazing. So so you were a Rockette. How did that come about? Yes. Well, I was a Rockette for seven years, um, and honestly, it was never a dream of mine to be a Rockette. However, I was judging a dance competition, and one of the other judges was a Rockette at the time, and she said, you know, you should go and audition for Radio City, and I was like, Mm, I don't know about that, you know. And I was like, I had, I had only seen them on television for the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which is pretty much more than half of the country's experience with the Rockettes. And, you know, I had just never given it any thought. And so after she planted that seed, I was just kind of like, hmm, I'm curious. And I went, you know, I flew to New York, went to the audition. And, uh, I mean, you're lined up down the street, around the corner, there are hundreds of women in line waiting wow. to be seen. Wow. And I I can't even tell you what number I was. I, I know I was like in the fifth group and they may be they may take fifty in at a time, fifty to seventy five girls in at a time. Wow. And um I auditioned, and I made it all the way through to the end. I had to go back for a call back the next day, and then I didn't hear anything from them. And oddly enough, I went to another audition the following day for Royal Caribbean Cruise Line, and I was offered that job right away, and I had to be willing to leave the following week to go to rehearsals. So I left to go to rehearsal and then I get in rehearsal my first week and I get a call from Radio City. 
Great <laughs> yes, saying, can you come back? We'd like to see you again. Well, being the professional that I am, I'm already involved. I've already signed a contract. I'm fully committed for the next 11 months of my life to Royal Caribbean. Mm. So I was told, you know, as soon as you get off the ship, as soon as your feet hit land, you know, give us a call. And I did. Um, and, you know, so I went in the following year for an audition and ended up going back to the cruise ship to fill in for someone and got a call back again from Rocket. Well, mm -hmm. at this point, I left Royal Caribbean mm -hmm. because I was just like, okay, not giving up this opportunity again. Went back and they saw me again and I got the phone call within the next four or five days asking me if I wanted to be a Radio City Rocket, which was an unbelievable phone call to receive unbelievable experience I will never forget it it was one of the most memorable moments of my career it's such an iconic dance team and what was it like being part of that I mean did you dance was, and march in the parades and do the shows at Radio City it was great um I, I think you know you really don't get it as a spectator what it's like being a rocket but it's it's more it's everything that you would think and then some mm. um it's all the glam that you you would think of as when you when you're considering being a rocket or what is the life of a rocket it's glamorous it's fulfilling it's just it's a it's an amazing opportunity and an amazing feeling when you actually take the time to realize what you you are a part of mm -hmm. and the legacy that the Rockettes carry, you know, year after year after year for decades. And um, it's just, it's so rewarding. It's really a great company to work for. Um, you are treated as though you are America's princesses. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's just, they, they really value they're the ladies as performers, as artists, and, you know, we, we have a voice, and it's just, it's a really amazing opportunity, and there's a lot of um, camaraderie amongst the women, mm -hmm. and that's, that's one of the things that I remember the most. I mean, we may not see each other, and we may all live around different parts of the country now, and everyone, you know, some people have started their families, and have moved on to other careers, but... We're still in contact through social media, you know, when ladies get married, you know, they're, some of the Rockettes are at their weddings. And so there's this sisterhood and there's this bond that I think just carries on and can carry on for a lifetime because we've spent so many hours together and you've, you have no choice but to bond because you rely on each other throughout that entire show. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it's a team effort. And being able to perform with such synchronization, you can't help but be a team player and to feel the bond of the sisterhood. That's one thing I've always wondered about. There is such an emphasis on everyone doing the steps and the kicks together. Were there ever moments when... You know, you were nervous about doing something a step wrong or standing out in some way. Well, I I would I wouldn't say nervous about executing something the wrong way because 
you've had more than enough rehearsal mm-hmm. that it is the movement is in your brain, it's in your body, mm-hmm. and you know we're usually rock solid in our performances. However, things do happen. And, you know, sometimes you might have a little brain fart here, there, you know, it it happens. It's live theater and everyone's human. So it's one of those cases where if you get out of step or sometimes maybe fall Mm -hmm. on stage, which it can happen, you just get back up and, you you know, you just join right back in um, and you always have the support of, the ladies around you or the young lady to your left or to your right in the kick line. And everyone knows what it's like. We're, you know, we're all trying to have the best performance and to give the public, you know, our best performance at that time. And so if anything like that were to happen, you definitely can rely on the support of the people next to you to help you up or as they're smiling, be like, you know, are you okay without moving your lips? (laughs) One of the things that always seems to me when watching some of these routines is that there's an incredible amount of athleticism involved, not just the dance, but, you know, the stamina and uh, all of that that you need to do those routines. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the, the training does not start the first day of rehearsal. Mm. And and I would say that for anything, not just for for the Rockettes, but your training starts way before you even get to the first day of rehearsal or before your first performance. You have to, as a dancer and as a performer in general, you just always have to make sure that you are exercising and polishing your craft Mm -hmm. because as a performer, you never stop learning. You never stop learning. You never stop brushing up on your skills. I mean, I can go to class right now and I could, you know, expect the teacher to come and correct me, come and, you know, move this leg, move that arm, tuck this, you know, and so as a performer and especially as a dancer, that's just something that we're used to. Mm Mm-hmm. And you're constantly conditioning. As long as you're performing, you're constantly conditioning yourself to be ready for that first day of rehearsal should you land the gig or to be ready for that first performance. Mm -hmm. So now the the Rockettes haven't always been known for their diversity. Did you feel that that was changing when you were part of them? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um. I know, I I hear that quite a bit from people. They say, oh, you know, especially African-Americans, they say, oh, well, there aren't very many of us, you Mm -hmm. know. And I feel as though Radio City has strived to correct that. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, as an African-American dancer, I can say that that particular type of dance is just not something that we are exposed to at a young age, nor is it something that we actually set out to do. Mm. Um, Precision dance is, it it falls into its own category. And, you know, whereas you may have seen more African-American dancers that may fall, lean towards modern dance, or jazz, you know, because we're all exposed to Alvin Ailey, which is amazing, which is my first dance concert as a child. And so, you know, that's what I, I 
was like, oh, wow, you know, and it just so happens where I grew up, tap and jazz in a musical theater uh, type school, that's, that's what was offered to me. Mm-hmm. I grew up in a musical theater dance studio, you know, and so I, I just think that they are working very hard and have been working hard to correct that image that they have acquired as far as, you know, oh, we don't have a lot of African-Americans or we don't have a lot of diversity on our lines. Um, But I just think exposing young African-American girls or young brown girls to that particular type of dance is important because it prepares them to be able to go to an audition for something like Radio City Rockette. Well, now, uh, Demoria, here in D.C., you've been in Crazy for You and Jelly's Last Jam. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about being in those productions? What were the moments that sort of stood out for you? Oh, wow. Well, being in uh, Signature's theaters, Jelly's Last Jam was amazing. It It was an amazing experience from the beginning to the very end. Um... It was just full of life. The show was great. The creators were great. The director, Matthew Gardner, was great. The choreographer, Jared Grimes, was great. And it was just an enjoyable experience. Um, And it was challenging. uh, Because if you are familiar with the production that was put on at Signature Theater... I thought it was terrific. Terrific Yes. So you saw the young men that were in the show that were tapping. And, I mean, they were doing such intricate steps and Mm -hmm. tapping on top of the pianos and things like that. And, you know, whereas myself and the other young lady that was part of the ensemble were not necessarily trained to tap like them, Mm -hmm. we still had to pick up certain steps Mm -hmm. and we still had to blend in certain parts of the routines and to make sure that we could hold our own. Um, So, there were challenges that were presented to us and, you know, we really had to work and, and I appreciated that. I appreciated my choreographer breaking things down, my dance captain breaking things down because it just made me a better performer. And every time I do shows that are like Jelly's Last Jam or Crazy For You, not only am I expected to perform as a dancer, but I have to sing while I'm dancing as well as act. <laughs> and I can definitely say, you know, both of those productions were at Signature Theater. And Matthew Gardner, you know, I appreciate him because he pushes me in subtle ways, in ways that he may not even be aware of, um, to just be a better performer. Mm-hmm. You know, in Jelly's Last Jam, I had a speaking line, and I was like, oh, wow, this is my first time having a speaking line, just one line in a show, but it was something that was new for me. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it, it made me have to work in a different way for that particular part of the show. And um, in Crazy For You, Crazy For You, if you saw that one, that was hands down the trickiest choreography I've ever done. (laughs) Choreographer Dennis Jones, um, he has this amazing ability to layer his his, um, dance 
production. Mm-hmm. I, I just, and there's so many layers, you know, it's like, okay, well, we're going to learn the feet and then put these arms with it. Now put the heads with it. And you're thinking, oh my gosh, I can't work in opposition. Oh my goodness. I'm never going to get this. But at the end of the day, once you've learned it and you've mastered it, it it's, it's amazing. It's amazing to watch on other dancers next to you, and it's just amazing to see it all come together. And I, I can definitely say both of those productions challenged me as a dancer. Like, there were nights during rehearsal that I had to come home and rehearse. Mm-hmm. Like, I had no choice. Even if it was, oh, I'm done with all my mommy duties at nine o'clock and I've taken care of everything I need to get done. And now the first time I have to do something for myself is 1130. I was up rehearsing for Mm -hmm. the next day. So it's really true that with every role you take on, there's something you take away. There's an experience you have or a new talent or expertise that you take from that experience. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think it's, I think the directors uh, and the choreographers and the music directors, I think that they, they know to um, push actors. And, you know, and sometimes you might be out of your comfort zone, but during the rehearsal process, everyone's learning and everyone is so helpful, you know, and mm-hmm. if you're being challenged, I feel as though my experience in the Washington, D.C. area has always been that if I'm challenged in something, there's always someone that is willing and able to help me and guide me. So you just finished a run at uh, in The Wiz at Ford's Theater where you played the tornado. Can you tell us yes. a little bit about that? The tornado was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, you know, working with uh, the director, Kent Gash, and choreographer, Del Hallett, was an amazing experience. And I walked in not knowing what the tornado was going to be like. <laughs> um, you know, you can go on YouTube and you see clips of how other people have staged the tornado. And the tornado for Ford Theater's production of The Wiz was very... She was powerful, but she was like a goddess. Hmm. And, you know, it was like she was the eye of the storm, and she was orchestrating all this chaos around her. And um, I think if I had to sum it all up in one word, it would be fierce. Hmm. And I was um, asked to wear thigh-high boots that were custom made, that were like these hot pink leather thigh-high boots. And they were amazing. I've never had a pair of custom made (laughs) dance shoes for me, but they were amazing. And they made the role of the tornado just that more interesting and fierce and ferocious. And it was just really cool. I had one cast member who would always refer to me as the sexy tornado. (laughs) (laughs) Your family and friends must have enjoyed that role. (laughs) They did. They did. And it was really exciting, you know, going into rehearsal, not knowing what was going to happen. And then they're like, oh, and you're going to dance on top of the house once the house splits apart. And I was like, "Okay, let's keep an open mind. You can do this. Mm 
And it just turned out to be a lot of fun. Uh, the stagehands were amazing. Everyone made sure I was safe. And, you know, I didn't, there was not one second that I felt like, oh, I couldn't do this or, you know, I'm nervous about this. I just threw myself into it and had fun with it. Now, The Wiz had an all-black cast, and uh, the run down here in D.C. came at the same time that Black Panther was killing at the box office. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that we've reached a tipping point where audiences will support a more diverse cast and, indeed, sometimes an all-black cast? Oh, I definitely do. I mean, you could stand at the exit of our, at the exit of our shows every night and see the diversity of the audience Mm -hmm. and you know by them purchasing a ticket they knew they weren't coming to see the wizard of oz they knew they were coming to see the wiz right absolutely and all of the marketing around the area uh let you know that the cast was going to be an all-black cast and so i think that we are definitely at a place where you know I don't think audiences discriminate. I don't think that they are coming into this saying, oh, you know, this is a black, all-black cast or this is a cast where there aren't any African-Americans. And, you know, I don't think they're thinking one way or the other. I think that audiences are just appreciating art. Mm-hmm. And they are appreciating art and talent. You're absolutely correct. And they are appreciating what we have to offer Um, as performers and allowing us to take them on that journey, regardless of the colors of the skin of the actors on stage, they're going on a journey with us Mm -hmm. and they are able to appreciate that art and look at it with a blind eye when it comes to race or color. Now you've worked in New York and you are an actress, uh, dancer down here in, in Washington. What's it? What's the difference, and what, it's, what is it like working down here as an actress in Washington, D.C.? Um, working as an actress in D.C. is great. It has been great for me. Uh, the difference in New York, you know, well, New York is extremely fast-paced and the hustle and bustle and the grind. Um, but I would say when it comes to auditions, there, it's really, there's really no difference because the regional theaters in this area also have auditions in New York. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a case where if I were to audition for a show and I missed the audition here in D.C., I could very well go to New York and audition for that same show. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the D.C. area is great for actors um, that don't necessarily want to deal with the hustle and bustle of New York City, um, which is the category that I fall into because I have a family, you know, I have a husband, I have a son, and um, so it's great that I can actually leave New York City and be in an area that I consider to be a little more serene and where I can raise my family and still have performance opportunities that are on the same caliber as the performances in New York City, if not better. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt there's wonderful theater here in Washington. And in fact, some of the plays that make their way up to New York originate down here. 
Absolutely. So you're returning to Camp Arena stage after being away for a few years. Uh, why did you feel it was important for you to come back? Well, I always think it's important to have change um, in your life. And when I was approached by Becca, uh, Rebecca Campana, this summer about coming back to Arena stage, I immediately was like, yes, and very excited um, because I, you know, it was in the back of my head for some reason. Maybe I should, you know, consider going back to Arena Stage this summer. I just think the camp is an amazing opportunity for young kids and especially for aspiring artists or, you know, individuals that aren't really sure which path they would like to take um, in the performing arts or visual arts or media arts for that matter. Um, there's just, there's just so much for them to choose from. And I, in the past, have really enjoyed being a part of the camp. I see the fulfillment uh, that comes along with the camp. I see kids walk into my class not having danced at all. And I have witnessed dance change their lives that summer. Mm. And, you know, it was, there's one young lady that sticks out in my mind in particular that she had never taken a dance class, wasn't sure how it was going to go. She was just like, I don't know if this is for me. And, you know, she just stepped out there and gave it a shot. And it ended up being the most enjoyable experience of her summer, you know, at camp. And that made me feel amazing. You know, because she actually learned how to point her toes. She learned how to fully extend her legs. And at the end of the camp, she was actually performing and dancing. And it was kind of like, I can't believe I could actually move, you know, and not fall over. So my decision to return back to camp was just to be able to impact the lives of others, of the young aspiring artists coming up, and to you know, impact them in such a way that maybe what I have to offer will inspire them in their lives, their daily lives, and help create a level of discipline that will help them in any area of their lives. And to just be a part of something so great and so amazing, which is also a load of fun. I mean, so many schools have cut back on arts programs, music programs. Uh, does that make a camp like this even more valuable for children? I would think so. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, it's unfortunate that the arts seems to be the first thing to go mm -hmm. uh, when, it, when funding is at risk. Um, and I just think being able to spend your summers doing something that may not necessarily be offered throughout your school year at school. I mean, what an amazing opportunity. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it just, it, it's great that they have that opportunity and that outlet to explore something new um, because, you know, everyone learns differently. Everyone learns different ways and sometimes a child might struggle in the classroom with their academic subjects, but they're somehow, when they come to a dance class or any 
class dealing with the arts that they feel a sigh of relief and they feel like they're able to connect Mm -hmm. with the teacher or, you know, explore a side of them that they didn't know was there. And it could boost their confidence. It could help them in their academic subjects as well. And, you know, people think, oh, we're just dancing and, you know, dance is just dance. But dance helps you in a lot of different areas of your life. It not only does it create a level of discipline that is very important in other parts of your life, but it also helps you with, you know, your math skills because we count, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. But when it comes to formations and things like that, well, that's geometry, you know, and especially if you decide to go into being a choreographer and you have to think about transitions and how to make this work and that work. And, you know, so everything, I just feel like there are parts of, you know, the performing arts that absolutely help with academia. Will you be performing at the camp? I don't know how it works with the arts influencers. Do they have an opportunity to perform for the children in the camp? Um, the last time I worked at camp, there was an opportunity for a the teachers to get up and and do a little something. However, I usually let my students shine. Mm-hmm. You know, my goal during the summer is to really teach them the proper technique and to get them to a place where they have a finished product that they are proud to present well. to an audience. Demore, it sounds like you're going to have a lot of fun at the camp. And good luck with your any future projects. Is there anything on the horizon that we should be looking out for? Um, no, I don't have anything lined up right now, but you never know. <laughs> so we'll keep going. So I'm just, I'm just auditioning and, you know, staying positive and continuing to take class and just be prepared. Well, sounds like a good plan, especially for the summer. So, Moya, thank you so much. I really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you, Charlene. It was a pleasure to speak with you as well. And anyone interested in the camp should go to the Arena Stage website for more information. So I'm Absolutely. Char- Absolutely. I mean, I wish I could sign up to tell you the truth. It sounds like <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> you can come and stand in the back of my class. I, I won't just, say anything. I may just do that. Uh, so anyway, thank you all for listening. Again, I'm Charlene Gianetti, editor of Woman Around Town, and I've been speaking with Demoya Watson Brown. Thank you.